Brain's on fire. Brain's on fire. Um, we've got about, let's see, you're probably listening to this early to mid-morning on Tuesday, August 2nd. So we've got, mm, what, 10 hours until the MLB trade deadline? Roughly. I, I would say roughly about that. And and that means that we could see 48 trades. Uh, it, it really got going on Monday. Uh, not even in the morning. It was more of afternoon hit. All of a sudden, all of the dominoes started to fall. And I still think there's a few big dominoes that need to fall for kind of the subsequent reaction of a few other moves. The biggest one being Juan Soto, which is holding some other trades that could happen as well. But we got a lot of action on this Monday and we got a lot of stuff to go over. Tons of action. Uh, This is the Just Baseball Show for Tuesday, August 2nd. Jack McMullen, Arm Leighton again. Peter is moving into his apartment, but uh, you two, Arm and Peter, will be back to recap the trade deadline for you guys on on a, what, Wednesday morning. Yeah, record Tuesday evening. I'm telling you, my brain's on fire (laughs) right now because at 1230 yesterday, we got going. It was Eddie Adrianza, the clubhouse MVP. He went from Washington to Atlanta in exchange for Trey Harris, who was just on the inside of the top 30 prospects for the Atlanta Braves. But then shit really started to get going here. We're going to go chronologically. We're obviously going to spend more time on the bigger things. But, I mean, this felt like a deadline day before deadline day. Passing Kirkjian, Nicole Briscoe on Baseball Tonight said that this has the possibility of being one of the craziest deadlines in recent memory. And from what Monday just gave us, I think Tuesday could be absolutely nuts too. I, I know. Well, here, here's the thing. We're going to we're gonna talk about all of the things that did happen, right? So before we get into that, let's talk about the, the pieces that still haven't moved yet, right? Like what we have to look forward to still. At this moment, because we're recording at 8.49 p.m., we tried to wait. Yes. A really long time. But remember, the Luis Castillo deal came in at like 11 p.m. Yeah. There was a chance that something comes out like late last night and you're listening to this and it simply was too late for us. So eight, yeah. as of 8.49 p.m., we're talking about everything that has happened and that could happen. And that includes Juan Soto. That includes Wilson Contreras. That includes Pablo Lopez, Syndergaard. Yep. You know, now Lopez is being tied to the Dodgers. Sounds like the the Cardinals don't want to part with both Carlson and their top prospects, which is crazy. That was the expectation all along. Yeah. What did you think was going to happen? So we'll see how that kind of unfolds. And the thing is, is both of those teams, Cardinals, Dodgers, Padres, the three of them are all buyers, right? And big time buyers. They're going to make a splash one way or another. Yes. The other two teams that miss out on Soto are going to use whatever prospects that they were able to kind of save, quote unquote, and go get somebody. So it depends. But like, let's say the Dodgers don't get Soto. I think they pivot to Pablo Lopez or somebody like that. Um, you know, and Garrett Cooper maybe package with him. You yeah. could say the same thing about the Cardinals as well, maybe with a different move. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of that goes. But I'm very excited to see where Contreras goes and yeah. maybe even Sean Murphy as well. Remind me to circle back to the Guardians and the Cardinals at the tail end because they've been quiet 
so far. Mm-hmm. And I, and I want to get back to them at the tail end of this. And obviously we're going to be monitoring uh, during this, but we've got a great trade deadline tracker up. It's at the top of the website. It's just baseball.com. Ryan Finkelstein uh, and the gang, Ethan Badowski and Elijah Evans, our social media gurus have been plugging away at the trade deadline tracker and they pretty much updated it chronologically. Whenever something goes down, you can find it in the tracker. So I literally went about midway, you know, through the tracker and I'll scroll up. So at 1230 clubhouse MVP at a Adrianza goes. And then the Yankees got Scott Efros from the Cubs for Hayden Wisniewski. That was a big time deal for both of them. And Efros is a pop-up reliever he is a side armor, borderline submariner that's got a great sinker slider combination. What is slept on about Scott Efros is he's got five years of control yep, after exactly. this. He's a 28 year old rookie. Yeah. Correct. And and what a lot of people were saying, I saw Passon put it out too. Um, the market has changed after Bard got that extension. The the market might have changed from the rental reliever to the controllable reliever for a little bit steeper of a price. And when you see Hayden Wisniewski went back to the Cubs, you said, damn, steep price. But then you realize that the Yankees just got a reliever with five more years yep. of control. Yep, exactly. And I mean, I think the plan for the Yankees is, you know, Wisniewski is probably a, a back end of the rotation starter or a reliever. You know, that that's what you're looking at. And for the Yankees, the goal is probably to never have it. And with all due respect to Wisniewski, never have him in their rotation because if everything they worked out well, wouldn't be him. Yeah, it wouldn't be him because they've got a lot of irons in the fire there. And that's one of the guys are OK with parting with uh, to get a reliever who's under control for five years. I mean, that, that that's big time. And I think it's pretty proven. I know relievers are volatile, but what we're seeing from Efros plays like that plays. I think he's going to be good for a long time, uh, and I think he's going to be a solid reliever. I think it's more of can you trust him in high leverage back end, or is he more of a middle reliever? Regardless, you part with a prospect that probably had his work cut out for him to fit in. Uh, but for the for the Cubs side of it, I love it. Right, this is a guy who has a good chance to be a back end of the rotation starter. And we yeah. talked about the Cubs draft; they went heavy on arms. We know they needed arms and they they go and get another one here that is really solid, pretty close to big league ready, fits their timeline, plus slider, good fastball. I still think will be a starter and just adds another, you know, another arm into their system, which they really needed. 100%. Efros, 266 ERA across 44 innings, over 10 punch outs per nine. He is elite when it comes to evading barrels and he is elite when it comes to inducing chases on pitches out of the zone. That is what you sign up for. You sign up for deception with Scott Efros. The Yankees got that. And Wisniewski, the pitch profile, it's sinker slider for the most part, right? Yeah, it's sinker slider. But he throws strikes. Throws strikes. I'm in on that. We keep on moving. Joe Musgrove, five years, $100 million to stay with his hometown team, the San Diego Padres. They did it, man. I was really worried that they weren't going to pony up and they were going to pony up elsewhere. Musgrove was going to be the best pitcher on the market, and the Padres got him for what I think is a discount for him. Five years, 100. You got to remember that Robbie Ray and Kevin Gosman got like five for 115, 120. So Musgrove taking 20 AAV, granted that's still a lot, but less than what Ray and Gosman commanded last year is a really impressive swindle by A.J. Preller. This seems like a good old fashioned hometown discount. You know, it really is. I mean, we know that Musgrove loves pitching there. Uh, We know that the Padres want to make other moves. So I wonder, you know, hey, Joe, you get to stay home. You still get a hundred million. 
We're going to give you a full no trade clause as well, which those are not given out often at all. And Musgrove is phenomenal, but usually you got to be Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander to get that kind of no trade clause, you know, in there. And he's not quite that, even though he's really damn good. So I think that's a side of it. Then he has a limited no trade clause in 2027 as well. And then also, what did this mean? Player may purchase premium suite and four best premium season tickets to home games. What does it mean purchase? Was he not able to, does that mean it comes with it? Why would they phrase it? Player may purchase. He gets a suite on the road though, too. Um, so it, it seems like they gave him a sweet little like unique deal. Uh, threw in all the stops for whatever that means that he can purchase it. I still don't get what that means. I don't know. Uh, but, sure. but the sweet says sweet on the road. So he gets a sweet on the road. Uh, but the no trade cause is the big thing. He gets a hundred million dollars. I think it's a discount, but I think the Padres said, Hey, we want you to stay home. We'll give you the no trade clause, and we're going to give you a better team. Not that they're bad now, but they're clearly not done. And I think that was some of the incentive here. We don't see as much of the pay cuts in baseball for for help, you know, like we do with James Harden doing that with the Sixers, or yeah. you know, Dwayne Wade doing it with the Heat back in the day. Uh, but you know, I think in the Padres situation, you you could probably see that as maybe a justifiable reason. Uh, and again, Musgrove loves San Diego. Yeah, and tampering claims won't be affecting uh, this like they did with uh, Philadelphia and James Harden. But they're putting a better team around him. The ensuing move about 20 minutes later was San Diego going to grab Josh Hader, who is the best closer in recent memory for Taylor Rogers, who is the Padres closer. Esteori Ruiz, who is a speed demon that had an 1,000 OPS at the minor league level. Denelson Lamette who not too long ago finished fourth in NL Cy Young voting in 2020, uh, but he is a total lottery ticket. Is he ever going to get healthy again? And then lefty Robert Gasser, who I just saw throw two weeks ago, and I love Robert Gasser. So I thought that this was a very solid return for Hayter, um, for Milwaukee, and San Diego, in turn, gets when he's on the best closer in the game. Well, what, when he's on is is the big key because he's always been on over the last handful of years, right? And until uh, now, yeah. until now, and let's talk about the last twenty games for him. Where over the last twenty ball games, a seven four five ERA. Yeah. Uh, it, we're not used to that. I mean, the strikeout numbers are there. He's still striking out seventeen batters per nine. But this is not the Josh Hader. We've never really seen a stretch like this from Josh Hader. Maybe Brewers fans could pull out an early stretch early, no. early in his career, but I can't think of one where he has looked like this. What I will say is he did come out over the last couple outings and has looked much better. Uh, struck out the side in his last save against the Red Sox. 28 years old, I'm willing to bet on Josh Hader being just fine. But this was an interesting move for the Brewers because – Sarah Lang said a really awesome tweet, which was it was really interesting. And it was roughly I might butcher it a, a tad. But the, the larger point of it was that the last time an all star was traded by a team that was in first place at the time of the deal, it was John Lester for Ioannis Cespedes. Right. Um, so you look back at that and that's big leaguer for big leaguer impact for impact. Just the teams needed to swap needs there. This is not quite that. So that's what makes it a bit of a head scratcher. But you can also justify that, you know, they're confident in Devin Williams, who has been dynamite, one of the best relievers in baseball this year, has six saves already. We think, you know, he can really, I always, I think he can really lock down that ninth inning. 
Rodgers was incredible to start the season. He yeah. has been a guy that's faded, but yeah. the underlying numbers still look really good. I, I think that you could still still count on him to be a very quality setup guy, and he can close out ball games, you know, when Williams is unavailable. And then Ruiz could probably plug into their outfield right now. Right now. And they yes. need that. They need that. So you could justify if Ruiz hits, he's a big X factor in the short term of this deal, right? If Ruiz kind of picks up where he left off in the minors and starts hitting then this trade starts to make a lot more sense. But if Ruiz looks like he's more of a next year kind of guy to make the big league impact, then it's hard to say that the big league team got better from this deal, but it is possible. Listen, the Padres have been good all year long and Padres fans have been vocal about Estiari Ruiz possibly being a better option than Trent Grisham out in the center. So if Padres fans are clamoring for that, the Brewers have to at least give him a shot in a bad outfield like he's got a space for him in that offense that's how that brewers offense works um one more thing on hater that i will say you would think oh he's been crappy what's the fastball velo like fastball velo is the same if not better 97 to 98 over his last couple of outings so he is just fine taylor rogers again another quote-unquote buy low guy and i guess the padres are technically buying low on josh hater i don't really think so this is still a great haul Let's hit on Gasser for a moment. I know we're going to do that on the call-up as well. Obviously, go listen to the call-up because a lot of these trade returns, we're going to be talking about these prospects on contending teams that are going back mm-hmm. as the return to deals. We just talked about Noel V. Marte and Edwin Arroyo, who were part of the Luis Castillo trade. Who else do we talk about? I mean, we, we hit on almost every prospect. Yeah. We even hit on the on the trio of arms that went over to, yeah, to back the, way. the Royals. Beck way. Um, even like the the... Andrew Moore's of the world. I mean, we're hitting on every on, on the call up. We're going to get deeper into the nitty gritty of, you know, each of the prospect returns, especially for, you know, those bigger trades, but even the smaller trades, we're going to hit on all of them. But yeah. I, I do want to talk about Gasser because that was a guy that I texted you about when I was doing the Padre system last year yeah. and coming into this season, I think we were the only uh, outlet really that had Gasser in the Padres top 10 coming into the year. I think quickly as the year went on, a lot of, a lot of outlets started to update their top tens and put Gasser in there, but we had him at number seven coming into this season. And, and he's continued to look better and better as the year has gone on. Um, you know, at times can, can start to run into hard contact, but the slider is nasty high three quarters arm slot has a chance to be a, a solid middle of the rotation starter. And that's the final piece in this deal. You could say Lamette is, I guess, but that that is a really good piece to get. And I think a, a quality pitching prospect one last thought on Ruiz. Yeah. Uh, I I really like for those who are listening that may not know who he is, he leads professional baseball in stolen bases. He has 60. Yeah. Um, and and he has always been a stolen base threat. The problem was you can't steal first, right? Like Billy Hamilton, and he just wasn't getting on base at the same clip. He now has he cut is. the chase rate down by 10%. He has much improved his ability to just hit, period. So his batting average is higher, his on base percentage is higher. And as a result, Seen a guy with a 460 on base percentage swipe 60 backs. Um, so this is a guy that's going to add a lot of dynamic ability to this Brewers team. And I assume they're going to give him a shot at the big league level right away. Yeah, man. I think they're going to give him a shot too. And I think that he can make the Brewers better. Um, having said that, I probably still wouldn't have traded Josh Hader if mm-hmm. I was David Stearns, but that's not really how Milwaukee operates. They probably felt like they had that guy in Devin Williams and they were willing to go get guys that they think can help them right away. I saw that Ruiz... Uh, will be with AAA Nashville. And then Robert Gasser felt like a promotion within the Padres organization was inevitable. He was making his last, you know, however many starts with Fort Wayne. 
after the trade, he was just assigned to double A Biloxi. So Robert Gasser is a double A arm. He's going to be one of the more electric arms in double A, which is chock full of electric arms. And like you're saying, low three or uh, high three quarters. Um, I mean, mid nineties fastball, great breaking stuff. This guy has the ability to be a strikeout pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. And oh yeah, don't they have Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff? Oh, they just signed Aaron Ashby to a five-year extension. They're adding to the stable and it works really well. So that's that on that deal. What was the next one? Uh, Anthony Mishevitz <laughs> to Kansas City in exchange for cash considerations. Next one, Garrett Clevenger <laughs> to the Rays for Jermon Tapia. No, next one, Trey Mancini headed to Houston in a three-player deal or in a uh, three-team deal. So going to Houston, Trey Mancini and Jaden Murray from Tampa. Yep. Going to Baltimore, Chase McDermott from Houston and Seth Johnson from Tampa mm-hmm. and going to Tampa, Jose Siri from Houston. Yeah. Your Why boy, Jose Siri. <laughs> Your boy, Jose Siri. My guy, Jose Siri. Yeah. I So there's a lot to unpack in this one, right? Um, What, what team you want to start with? You start with the easy one, the Astros? Yeah, let's start with the Astros because they just got better. Yeah, Astros get better, right? Trey Mancini has gotten better and better as the year's gone on. Um, I, I think I, I'm sad to see him leave Baltimore, but this is going to be cool for Trey Mancini, right? I mean, I know Baltimore is winning ball games right now, but they're not a World Series threat. Trey Mancini could get a ring this year, right? And yeah. and that's pretty damn cool, especially with everything that he's been through. He's a bat that I think you can put first base, you could put a DH, you could put in the outfield. All depends on how you want to handle Jordan, but you know he does come with versatility. He's Made 51 starts at DH, he's made 29 starts at first, and he's made 10 starts in right, three starts in left. I really like the addition because he's just another bat and already a potent lineup at a spot where they were not getting a ton of production. I assume he's going to play a lot of first base. I, I really am excited. And also, he's going from an environment where it is really hard to go yard in left field in Baltimore. It's going to be a lot easier to go yard in left field with the Crawford boxes there. I think there's a lot to like about Trey Mancini's move and what he can, you know, what he's going to be able to do offensively, especially being in a lineup where he is far from the guy you are worried about, where in the Orioles lineup, you know, he's kind of the guy you're more worried about as I know they've gotten better offensively as the year's gone on. Uh, but I, I think this is a perfect, perfect spot for him. It's a perfect fit. I think he's going to be the first baseman of the Astros. I think that Yuli Gurriel is going to still hit a little bit, but I mean, most of those plate appearances are going to be Mancini's. Yuli Gurriel, after winning a batting title last year, hit 319, sitting 243 right now. You look at slugging. He's sneaky old. He's he's 38. Like, he's sneaky 38 years old. He was a rookie as a 32-year-old in 2016. Um, But, yeah, Yuli Gurriel slashing 243, 293, 392. That's not going to cut it for a World Series team. That will cut it for a team that wants to win the AL West. But this team wants to do a shit ton more than win the AL West. Trey Mancini can help them do that. And how about the fact that, again, going, I wanted to pull up the expected home runs by park, Yeah, uh, which I know it's a little bit more nuanced than that because you're only no, playing but- half of your games at the park. But it, it does put things in perspective. Crawford boxes. 22 home runs if he played all of his games in Houston. Wow. Trey Mancini. So, you know, even, even cut that in half, right? The difference in half because he has 10. If he has 16, 
You know, that that's a big difference. And, and it's again, it's not that clear cut, but you could definitely make the case that he'd have a handful more home runs if he wasn't playing in the graveyard that has become Baltimore's left field versus yeah. the Crawford boxer. So very excited to see what Mancini's going to do there. And then a quick thought on Jaden Murray. We have a piece on just baseball.com. We talked to Jaden Murray last year just actually at the end of the season in October uh, ahead of this one about what really helped him make that big breakout last year, because he was dominant in the Rays organization last year. He has continued to be good this year. A uh, really good piece on just baseball.com about that and a good interview with him, but a good pitching prospect to get in there. 25 years old, close to big league ready, a good depth arm. Um, and, and to also get that guy in return, I think is pretty solid. Yeah. So Baltimore, they just let their clubhouse leader go. Um, Having said that, Trey Mancini's a first baseman. Ryan Mountcastle is a better first baseman. So Trey, I'm not going to say Trey didn't have a spot, but Trey's spot was uh, being crept up on by Mountcastle and the farm was creeping up on Mancini. It makes sense. You never want to see those types of moves happen. Um, Having said that, like, again, it, it was a move that I think Mike Elias was okay making Sucks for everybody in the clubhouse, but this is baseball is a business type of move for Hugh or uh, for Baltimore. They get two arms back. Seth Johnson, who was a top five prospect in the Rays organization. TJ guy might not throw it all next year, actually. And then Chase McDermott, chirp, chirp, Ball State's finest. Um, McDermott goes to Baltimore. They just added two pretty solid pitching yeah. prospects to a team that needs pitching. So let's remove emotions for a second, right? Yeah. Because I again, it's it's hard to see Mancini anywhere else. But mutual option for next year, Mancini was not going to opt into that for what? Like I don't even know what it was for. Probably seven, eight million dollars. Yeah, I, he's not opting into that because he'll get more than that on the open market because he has a ton of value as a hitter uh, with some versatility on top of being just a good guy. And I always talk about that with with other big leaguers who played long in their career that I've had the chance to talk to. They felt like what extended their career was just being a good guy, right? Like, I'm serious. Like, that, that's something that, that Niner always says on Outside the Box. Like, he's like, when I stunk at the end, they kept me around because I wasn't an asshole. Like, that, yeah. that, and Mancini, you know, he's still really good, but and you know, he's certainly that not ha- an asshole. No, yeah. he's certainly not an asshole. And that makes you just, you're willing to pay a little bit extra for those kind of guys. He's, he would have got more than that. They would have lost him in free agency or they would have had to re-up and they wouldn't have wanted to do that because it wouldn't have made sense for them for all the reasons you mentioned, you know, in terms of their roster. They don't really need to pay a first baseman. And yeah. They've got a lot of guys coming up. So if if you look at what they're getting here, Seth Johnson was on his way to being a top 100 prospect had he not gone down with an injury. We're talking sits in the mid 90s up to 97 miles an hour with a ton of life on the fastball wipeout slider along with a curveball that he mixes in for a third pitch. I mean, this is a dude that could be a really solid middle of the rotation starter instantly becomes the Orioles third best pitching prospect. So you're able to get your third best pitching prospects here for a guy that you really don't need in the long term on top of Chase McDermott, whose numbers are a bit inflated. Again, we also did a full breakdown on this trade. We're doing a full breakdown on almost every single decent trade on just baseball.com. But McDermott's got big time swing and miss stuff. Mid nineties fastball, another wipeout slider, a curveball, and a changeup that he mixes in there. Yeah. That's a good arm and probably a top six or seven arm in their system now, too. Um, they needed arms really bad. We know that's the case with Baltimore, and, and they got a pair kind of similar to the Cubs. Uh, 
difficult, but the right move, I think, for them long term. And Johnson will probably be a rotation piece for them in a couple years. Yeah. And let's look at, at 2024, right? Because you've got Tyler Wells, Kyle Bradish. How about Grayson Rodriguez, who we think mm-hmm. is the best pitching prospect in baseball? DL Hall. Now you add Seth Johnson and Chase McDermott to the mix. And there we go. Like that is a good stable of starting pitching. Um, that is very solid. Now, a team that has extended one of their cornerstones very long term, Atlanta, 10 years, $212 million for Austin Riley. This is coming off of the best month literally like ever. Austin Riley had a 1300 OPS in July, uh, saw this in the Braves release announcing the extension. He and Chipper Jones are the only two in Braves history to have a single month where they hit 400 with double digit home runs. He hit 423, I want to say, in 25 games with 11 homers and 25 driven in. Austin Riley's one of the best hitters in baseball. We were just talking about it on yesterday's Just Baseball show. If Goldie slumps a little bit and Riley continues to obviously not do what he did in July, but continues what he's done all year, he's going to be a 300, 380, 550 to 600 slash line guy. He's going to have 40 pumps. He's going to have 120 driven in. And he might mess around and win National League MVP. And the Braves just got him long-term less than five months after they got Matt Olson long-term. The Alex Anthopoulos special. Three years of arbitration bypass. Leverage that. Bet on your young guys that are really performing. And you'll never regret it, right? I mean, right now, the worst pre-arb deal that they've done is is looking like Ozzy Albies. And that's a guy that I think with the deal that he got, you're not losing sleep over that. And I still think he's a decent player, obviously. Uh, some think he's better than that. Uh, that's a whole different discussion. But the, the, the reality is they go pre-arb with these guys and they save a lot of money and it helps you keep your core together. And that's why the Braves will keep their core together. Uh, the only guy they didn't do it with was Dansby Swanson, but Dansby didn't show enough. To, to garner or merit that pre-arb deal, but we'll see if they want to keep him because they know that they've got the other core pieces locked up and it'll be interesting to see how they approach that. This is a great deal value-wise. And again, I think a lot of people, I always see the instant reaction is, whoa, how did they get him for so cheap? Three years of arbitration bypassed. Riley gets financial security and he makes more money over the next three years. He doesn't have to sweat it uh, and, and keep playing for his contract over the next three seasons. Great deal for the Braves. Great deal for Austin Riley. Congratulations to him. The Braves continue to solidify this core for the foreseeable future. And it looks like we're going to be looking similar to the Bobby Cox Braves that seem to just be at the top of the division every year. The Mets may have something to say about it, but their shelf life is shorter. Uh, The Braves are going to be that team, I think, that that dominates the NLEs for the next decade like they did in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. How about this from Paul Hembekaitis, who does great stuff stat-wise at ESPN. He's like kind of the main stat head for Get Up in the mornings, but uh, Hembo tweeted this out for 33 years of service time the Braves will have paid Austin Riley Matt Olson Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies 515 million dollars and I busted out my iPhone calculator figured out that was about 15 and a half million dollars AAV for Riley Olson Acuna and Albies and the oldest age that they're going to pay one of those guys I do believe is 35 for Austin Riley, and they've got a club option that year. They're not paying for dead years. They're paying for the prime of four borderline superstars. Or 
the same as the Rangers are paying for just Marcus Semien and Corey Seager. And look, I'm not faulting them. I like that move. I like that the Rangers are spending. But let's be clear here. Alex Anthopoulos is the best executive in baseball. And it's and not it's, close right no, now. Friedman no, that, is there, but like AA, like he is the king. That stat right there, I think, is exactly what backs that up. You got to have the balls to lock your guys up pre-arb if you really believe in them. And just like it is, just like you have to scout players and identify players, you have to identify the big leaguers who you're willing to lock up for 10 years. And so far, they've done pretty well in doing so and identifying the right guys. Alex Anthopoulos is a beast. Love what he's doing over there in Atlanta. And congratulations again to Austin Riley. It's pretty awesome. Dude, that is fucking incredible. Next one. Astros got Christian Vasquez. That was a very weird interaction. Vasquez was talking to media and Red Sox PR pulled him away. Um, I The Red Sox, like just watching the scenes unfold ahead of the game yesterday in Houston, this feels very similar. I'm, honestly, it feels more intense than what Seattle was dealing with last year with Jerry Depoto when they traded Kendall Graveman. It was, we're playing one game, our GM's playing another kind of feels like the Red Sox are playing one game and Heim Bloom is playing another and there's no cohesion there whatsoever. What's interesting is I actually kind of like the train um, in a way. I I don't know what the Red Sox plan was and it doesn't seem like they felt like they were going to re-sign. Yeah. So in a vacuum, you like that trade. You like the prospects that they got back. Yes. But you can look at the Boston Red Sox, who are supposed to be competing every year, and you can say, okay, they shipped off Christian Vasquez. They got Reese McGuire back. They ship off, um, or they might be shipping off J.D. Martinez in the next 24 hours. They get Tommy Pham back. It's so weird what they're doing. Yeah, so what they're doing basically is is selling off some pieces that are about to be free agents to try to get whatever they can get prospect-wise, and then almost just trying to fill in with something half-decent, right? Or someone half-decent, right? So instead of just rolling with Rob Ref Snyder when he comes back from the IL, they're they're still trying to get cheap big league pieces to say, hey, we're giving it a shot. We're not fully mailing it in, but the reality is they're mailing it in. And, and I think that's what we have to call it at this point. They are kind of mailing it in. Yeah. Uh, and, and the even weirder part of the whole thing is that Vasquez now, you know, goes across to the other clubhouse, which is just so bizarre. And JD Martinez is this was a something I saw out on Twitter, right? Where JD Martinez was mentioning in a press conference or a pregame that it's weird because they were just talking to Vasquez about, you know, what their whole plan was basically. And Vasquez was a big part of that meeting. And now he goes over to Houston with all of that information. And that's just bizarre and feels weird. And um, the, the same, the trades when you are playing a series with that team or against that team is always super weird. Uh, But I will say to, at the prospect return, I do like Emmanuel Valdez a lot. 21 pumps this year already in AAA infielder, uh, which is interesting that they wanted a upper minors infielder uh, and, and seeing what the plan might be there. Uh, and then Willier Abreu is is really interesting. I tweeted out a 440-foot shot he hit earlier this year. He's got above average speed. He's 23 for 24 on stolen bases. Good power. Interesting bat from the left side. So they get two intriguing prospects that I do like but they do trade their starting catcher who had a 111 WRC plus was playing great defense. And, you know, I thought they would probably extend him. They don't really have any catchers coming up through the pipeline. Ultimately they look like they want to deal him. I don't know if they're going to try and get him in free agency back, but you know, there he goes. Sounds like that relationship's kind of soured in the last 24 hours. Cause he, he 
said something about the front office having disconnect from the clubhouse and less than 24 hours later, he was out the door. Um, so I, I don't know like how much of that is real. It might just be coincidental and things like that, but um, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. The Astros got a lot better adding Christian Vasquez over Martin Maldonado. You look at offensive upgrades. They just upgraded offensively at first base and catcher. Boom. Problem solved. Yep. Um, the Red Sox moved Jake Diekman. The White Sox needed a lefty reliever. They got a lefty reliever in Jake Diekman. Reese McGuire is the return. So Reese McGuire will do a lot of catching for the Red Sox. That does not spell success. For the White Sox, I really like the move. They needed a left-handed bullpen arm. They got the left-handed bullpen arm. Give me Jock Peterson today, please, God, Rick Hahn. <laughs> and that's a guy I'm really excited to see where he goes. That's a low-cost acquisition. The White Sox should absolutely be doing that, but they do go get a reliever. They've been extremely quiet, uh, but Diekman does help. Uh, lower key trade. But again, I, I think the, the the thing that kind of epitomizes the move for the Red Sox, and it's the fact that they're trading him to a, a rival, right? The Astros are an AL rival at, at the end of the day. And if they really felt like they were competing, uh, I don't know if you're trading him to the Astros. So, uh, I mean, that was the team that they played in the ALCS last year. It's just crazy how quickly things can change. Um, and in this case, that's exactly what happened. Things have changed very, very quickly. And all of a sudden, the Red Sox are providing the starting catcher for the Houston Astros just shortly after they lost to them in the ALCS. Pretty yeah. wild. Do we know the return for Tommy Pham yet? No. <laughs> they, I've never seen an announced trade of he's been traded, but we don't know to where. And I don't think we know what the Tommy Pham return is as of 9.20 p.m. on Monday. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, fam in a Red Sox uniform. Okay, cool. Uh, fantasy football jokes. They will live on. Um, yeah. And they might actually be in a in a brighter light now that he's out of Cincinnati and in Boston. Um, one more very, very minor one. The Diamondbacks traded Luke Weaver to Kansas City for Emmanuel Rivera. I think Emmanuel Rivera can be not a fine big leaguer, but I think he can be a bench bat. I think he immediately turns into a bench bat for the Diamondbacks, and and cool. That's great. So if you're a Diamondbacks fan, congratulations. You might see some Emmanuel Rivera doubles and homers uh, before the uh, year's up. So that's that. Um, um, I'm here for the Royals getting any pitcher ever, too. So Yeah, Luke Weaver, great. That's awesome. Uh, I do want to circle back to the Cardinals and Guardians, like I mentioned on the top of the episode. How do they go about this? And again, I ask you, I've asked Peter on Friday. I asked you yesterday. I ask you again today. What team is Juan Soto on tomorrow morning? Padres. Yeah. I, the Cardinals are reluctant to deal Dylan Carlson. Was that the report from Morosi? Right. I, you're going to let Dylan Carlson. I, I like Carlson. He's 23 and he's already Juan shown to be, Soto, able to, dude. be able to hit at the big league level. with Juan Soto. Um, Carlson plus the top prospects. They kind of, I think they were saying it's like one or the other. You're either getting the Jordan Walkers and the Mason wins, or you're getting Dylan Carlson. That's not how you get Juan Soto. It's got to be both. And that seems to be what the issue is right now. Um, I think the Padres are going to be just fine with making the deal. And what was really interesting to me is the way they were able to piece together that Josh Hader return without parting with one of those blue chippers that would be wanted in a trade for Juan Soto because none of those prospects that were dealt in that trade for Hater were names that I think were going to be discussed for Gasser. Juan Soto. Gasser Maybe. Would've. That would have been the fifth piece. Yeah. So 
I, I think there's a lot of an interesting, you know, there's an interesting aspect to that whole thing as well. So I, I think the Padres are going to make the move. I think they're going to do it. Um, and, and that's why AJ Preller is, is just always going to be Mr. Aggressive. He's a nut job, man. Um, how do we think it looks? Do we think it's Gore, Abrams, Hassel, Wood? I think they might keep Gore. I, I was even thinking like it could be something along the lines of Abrams, Hassel, Wood, Wood, Merrill, maybe Merrill, and Morahone. then Morahone, and then maybe one other piece. Oh my God. It's like, still that's nuts. A that's a freaking haul. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a higher floor prospect like Robert Hassel. We're talking about CJ Abrams, who is high floor, high ceiling. You said James 3,000 hits. Yes, yes. He's on his way. <laughs> James Wood is, I would say, upside-wise. His his upside is best player in baseball. It's right? Judge. It's Judge. But he also has the probability or a chance to flame out in high A. But that's the third piece in the deal is a guy with that kind of upside. And then Merrill, high floor, first-round pick. Great bats of ball has already shown early results, and then you know whoever else you want to throw in there. That that is that is a return that I think is really hard to to say no to. Uh, we could even see maybe Jake Cronenworth thrown in there. I I think we could see anything, uh, but I think the, the Padres are the team that are that is crazy enough to do it because it seems like every team is negotiating, and then it's one of those where right when you're about to like do it. It's like, oh, actually, do I want to give all of that up? Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those situations. I don't think Preller is going to have that moment. Yeah. I think he's just going to say, all right, send it in. He doesn't have that bone in his body. Uh, this from John Morosi that you were referencing. In Juan Soto trade talks, Cardinals have been willing to include Dylan Carlson, haven't been willing to include Dylan Carlson and their top prospects in the same offer, at least thus far. Negotiations are reaching a critical point. That was at 8.04 p.m. on Monday. Um if the Cardinals, let's say, if the if the blank does not get Juan Soto, what do they do? If the Cardinals do not get Juan Soto, what do they do? Ha, huh, that's a great question. Um, it's funny because you, you'd think to pivot to another outfielder, but do they really need another outfielder? I, don't I think, think so. They just needed. They just wanted a Hall of Famer. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they just wanted a guy that was on his way to the Hall of Fame. I think they'll I get a too want a Hall of Famer. Yes, we all do. Yeah. I would say go for a starter. You know, I would I really think that uh, the there's a Pablo Lopez kind of counteract that comes from whoever doesn't get Juan Soto. I, the Padres are kind of excluded from this, but specifically the Cardinals and we know the Dodgers have already been engaged with the Marlins on Pablo Lopez. That's probably the best pitcher left on the market, right? Yeah. Um, maybe a Carlos Rodon. Uh, right. You know, I, I think we're going to see either of those teams kind of pivot to a starter and use their prospects to, to go get a starter. We know the Dodgers and Cardinals both want and need one. Rodon in St. Louis would be incredible. Imagine Rodon and Jock packaged in the same deal or something like that. Dude, sign me up. And Rodon, I don't think they need to give up Carlson. Sure. No. Walker. No. Win. I don't even think you need to give up Alec Burleson. I think for Rodon, does Baez and McGreevy get you Rodon? I, you might even just need yeah those two, Baez and McGreevy for Rodon. Do you say no if you're San Francisco? I probably, I probably, I, I think someone could beat that. That's the only thing. I don't think it's, it's that low. But you've but, got more. Like you have a lot more that you can throw at them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Bader. You know, maybe Bader. It, it, like that. He seems like the odd man out kind of at this point. Um, 
But if you have to part with Burleson, you part with Burleson. That's yeah. fine. I love Alec Burleson, obviously, guest on the on the call-up. But, you know, that's a guy that's close to big league ready. I think the Giants would really want him. He could be great um, as a Giant, yeah. He'd be fantastic. He'd splash McCovey Cove plenty. Uh, that's a deal I think I, I, we could definitely see them make. Um, but I, I think if you throw in like a Lars Newt bar into that package that you, you put together, Maybe maybe that'll put them over the top, but uh, the the thing is the Cardinals could do it without parting with any of their blue chippers, and that's the larger point. Yeah, that's a larger point. Um, I I think the Cardinals go get a starting pitcher, maybe two. Maybe you can you know get rid of a fifteen to twenty guy and maybe a twenty to twenty five guy for Jose Quintana in division. Yeah. I I think that works perfectly. Yeah. If the Guardians do not get Juan Soto, and we're assuming that they're not, what do they do? I heard Kirkjian saying that they're closer to selling than buying at this point. I know teams have been. Teams have been calling about Zach Plesac. I don't really believe that. I think that ESPN wants to cater to the masses a little bit. Um, and obviously, like, we want to cater to the masses too. But, you know, th- they're sitting here talking about Wilson Contreras to Cleveland right now. Let's be honest. Cleveland and Wilson Contreras would never work. They're Like, Cleveland doesn't buy rentals. Wilson Contreras wants to go to a major market. I promise and- you. And he's going to command a haul. He's yes. still going to command a haul. So would you rather give up like a the six same out- haul for Sean Murphy? Well, I was going to say, I was gonna, would you rather give up a six out of 10 package for a rental Wilson Contreras or an eight out of 10 package for Sean Murphy and, and multiple years of him? It's yeah. a no brainer uh, at that point. And I like Contreras. He's doing a lot of great things, but you're going to have to pay him if you want to keep him. And that's not the Guardians MO. I would be shocked if they sell, because here's the thing. The, the Twins are, what, a game or a half game ahead of them as we're recording this? And the Twins are beat up. They are hurt. Pitching-wise, they are beat up, and they don't have that much to part with prospect-wise to make a deal. I'm not uh, so, sure how they go about this deadline, to be totally honest. I, it's going to have to be packaging like a Kirilov or Warnick or one of those guys. I, I think Miranda's too big of a part of what they're doing right now to trade him would be like one step forward, a half a step back. Yeah. The Twins, are the, my my point here is that they are vulnerable and the Guardians are are not. They're still playing the same ball that they've been playing all year. Go get a Sean Murphy. We talked about it on the last episode. They can make the deal. We talked about it on the call-up, actually. They can make a deal pretty easily and not deplete the system. Go do that. You also satisfy the catching situation, the catching position for the foreseeable future. I don't think the Guardians are sellers by any means here because this is an opportunity for them to make the playoffs with a very cheap team, and that's a lot of revenue coming into a team that just also was able to raise a lot more capital by selling an ownership stake you know, and, and kind of getting an influx of, of money in there. I think that's going to play a part in this too. They'll be okay with, with bringing on a couple more quote-unquote expensive guys. It totally slipped my mind that we didn't talk about Frankie Montas. Uh, Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino go to New York. So, yeah, yeah I mean, the, New York got the best pitcher available after Luis Castillo was off the board. Congratulations to them. Would you say you'd rather have Montes than Lopez? E, Lopez has one more year of control. Lopez after, has, yeah. yeah, two and a half. Montes has one and a half at this moment. Yeah. The price for Montes is cheaper. That's the reality of it. Yeah, I, I think I would rather go at Montas for that, for that cost. fewer year. Yeah, yeah, for the cost of 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 acquisition, right? Because yeah. the the surprise was that it, it's a good return in terms of you know they are getting good players, good yeah. prospects here. Yeah. But I think we all expected it to be more. 
Uh, and and I think it's a testament to the fact that there's a lot of teams concerned about the health of Montes's shoulder. I did a dive into Velo last start. Velo is down a tick. Um, his numbers away from the Coliseum are not great, and we know that is one of the more pitcher-friendly environments in baseball. Like, there's a couple of little flags there that maybe were enough to you know have teams a bit hesitant to part with an elite prospect. I mean, we're talking about. Noel V. Marte, consensus top 25 prospect, and then basically a top 100 guy in Edwin Arroyo going in that Luis Castillo deal versus Ken Waldachuk, who's a top 100 guy. Yeah. Oh, I think we had him preseason top 100, and he's only climbed since then. Um, and Luis Medina is borderline top 100 with what he is doing this year, but I, I'm, I've always been lower on him. But depending on who you ask, I think uh, right on the fringe of being a top 100 guy, again, is enjoying probably the best season that he's had uh, at, at basically above any lower, lower level. And then a couple decent pieces. And then, you know, Bowman's been all right uh, and has some upside as well. And then Sears is a top 30 prospect. So it's not a, you know, meager return, but I think it's less than what we expected, especially after the Castillo trade was made. Uh, but still, you know, I, I think when you're getting somebody like Montes, you're happy to, to give that up. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Trevino, like, you just take a chance on the fact that he might put together a couple of solid outings for you this year. He's a hard-throwing righty from an unorthodox arm slot. Um, you mentioned his shoulder. Shoulders are scarier than elbows to me at this point. Like, that. that's kind of flipped. Oh, right? no, no. It's a no-brainer. It's a, it, Shoulders are way worse. Way worse. And, I mean, we were talking about Bieber's shoulder ad nauseum at the beginning of the year, and here we are talking about Frankie Montas's uh, shoulder. But... Listen, if Frankie's right, and I, I think Frankie's right right now, um, the Yankees just added a two and a great two. So especially with Seve going on the 60 day, you've got Garrett Cole, you've got Nestor, you've got Frankie Montas, and whoever you want the four to be. Montgomery, Tyone. Yeah, I mean that's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. I'll take that front three. Any day Trevino's like they're like they're like fifth inning guy. <laughs> he's like a guy that comes in when the starts going shitty. Yeah, uh, and and he's got great stuff. It's just it's just been a bit of a shaky year for him, but maybe a new environment will be refreshing. Uh, diving into the return real quick, Waldachuk yeah. though big swing and miss stuff as a lefty. Yeah, reminds me of Trevor Rogers. He really does, and like the good a good Trevor, Trevor Rogers, not a, a bad good Trevor Rogers. Reminds me of a good Trevor Rogers fastball changeup is disgusting from the release point, the arm speed. You can't separate the two. Mixes in a pretty good breaking ball. This guy's going to be a high strikeout middle of the rotation starter. Medina has the floor of a lights out back end reliever, but I still think that there's some hope that this guy can be a starter. And I think he's, I once I really relegated him to the bullpen prior to this year, and he he's kind of allowed me to take some pause here with what he's done this season. So I mean, this is a big time talented arm who. Three, what is it? A three, three eighty RA in seventy two innings. He's punched out eighty one. Forty walks is a bit concerning, but it's probably the best stretch he's had. And this is in double A, so this is encouraging. And then again, the other two pieces are no slashes either. Sears is pretty solid. Bowman's pretty solid. Uh, you know, I think the A system gets better, but they have not turned uh, all of their all star caliber players into uh, anything. I think that you can really write home about, but. Again, these are guys that should be big league ready pretty soon, especially Waldachuk. I think he could almost slot into the rotation now. Now, I, I think it's September 10. Waldachuk is getting starts for the Oakland A's. Um, last thing for me, at Mike Deportes, Mike Rodriguez uh, said at 4.48 p.m. on Monday afternoon, the Dodgers are close to acquiring Juan Soto from the hashtag Nationals. They are talking intensely. Padres and Cardinals uh, still on the talk. So I would 
make sure you see the blue check mark before you believe anything. Cool? Yep. Yep. Also, as we're recording this, Tarek Skubal pulled after 77 pitches. No injury apparent. No damage surrendered either. Should we just sit here for five minutes and see if a tweet comes out? <laughs> uh, his, apparently his velocity was down a bit in the fifth inning. I don't know. So kind of interesting. Oh, God. I have no idea. All that right. would be a dumb trade, objectively, uh, unless they bring in uh, the double Luis Castillo Hall. <laughs> like, Francisco, Francisco Alvarez. Yeah, Terrence yeah. Scoble to the Mets for Francisco Alvarez, uh, Pete Alonso, and Max Scherzer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just don't see a young, pretty established starting pitcher uh, with, what, five years of control, four and a half years of control being dealt. So that's going to be interesting. we got a lot more storylines to go through as – we move forward here again, just baseball.com. We have the tracker so you don't miss a trade. Well, you're, you're, you're going crazy. The St. Louis Cardinals finalizing a deal to acquire left-hander Jose Quintana from the Pittsburgh. No Cardinals. way. No way. There we so, go. So what, what do we, what do we think about that? As we, as we finish up here, no return is going to be known before we uh, say adios. No. I love it. I just mentioned it 10 minutes ago. Uh, right. I thought that was a great minor move for them to make. Uh, it fills a day out of the five in the rotation. Quintana has been good. It's been a uh, turn back the clock year for Jose Quintana. I think the Cardinals are really going to benefit from that. Let's call a spade a spade here. What Matthew Libertor is doing right now, what he's capable of right now is not up to the level of what Jose Quintana will provide you right now. Correct. So the Cardinals got better. Libertor can develop and triple and continue to work through things. This is a guy, like you said, that gives you a quality start or a good shot at a quality start every fifth day. Cardinals don't have enough of those guys. Great trade, low cost. I'm very interested to see what the return is from my prospect nerd standpoint, but yeah. I don't think it's going to be anything that, you know, is is, is really going to, you know, make waves on Twitter or anything like that. But it, it's a good, good addition. And I don't really think it has any bearing on the Juan Soto situation. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. I think we're going to be just fine. All right, Aram and Peter will be back to talk about the rest of the trade deadline, which is obviously going to be absolutely insane. See you guys. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.